he opened the doors for, you know, for me to understand gay culture and for me to kind of understand what being gay was. And I don't think he knew that he was doing that. He's the one who introduced me to like RuPaul's Drag Race. <laughs> is this what being gay is? <laughs> I what many people, yes, it is. <laughs> Hello, my name is Kay Anderson and you are listening to Lost Spaces, the podcast that mourns the death of queer nightlife. Every episode, I talk to a different person about a venue from their past, the memories that they created there, and the people that they used to know. So, you know how when you were a baby gay and you had to somehow pluck up every single shred of courage within you in order to make that very first visit to your local queer bar? Well, this week's guest didn't have that experience at all. In fact, bucking all the trends, he was in a long-term relationship that started when he was 16, which means that he was introduced to clubbing by his then-boyfriend and didn't have to do all of that awkward small talk and flirting with strangers that made the rest of us want to shrivel up and disappear into the beer-soaked carpet. Mm. So that means that Jonathan Morotto from the Yas Bro podcast has a really different perspective on his early days of clubbing and how they helped to shape who he has become. We got up to talk about the underage Miami dance club Discoteca and along the way we talk about how Lady Gaga helped Jonathan with his coming out, breaking up, getting back together and then breaking up again and I managed to get me some tips on how to convince your classmates that you're totally, totally mask. Oh, and before we get into the episode, this is the very first episode that has an ad break. Yes, I'm moving up in the world. And I kind of just wanted to let you know that it's coming up. I don't know why I felt the need to do that, but just, just, we'll get through this. Let's go. grow up in Florida, do you realize how weird it is or do you not like figure that out until much later? Oh my gosh. It's a totally different world. There's a saying that's we're so far south that it's not the south. (laughs) I don't know if that means anything to the listeners, but when you're far south in the U.S., that's like very... Like people tend to lean a little more conservative and with their views and you bump into people who are just these very cuckoo patriotic people who are all about defending America and all this other stuff. So being that I lived in Miami, I didn't grow up with any of that. But once you leave the South Florida area, it gets very that most of Florida leans very, very conservative. So. It wasn't until maybe I was a teenager that I started getting more involved, like, politically, I guess, and tuning into politics. And I was just like, oh, wow, like, why are these billboards about Jesus is coming all over Florida? Wait, why? Jesus is coming? Jesus is coming. He's been edging for, <laughs> for many years, but he's, he's coming. He's coming. <laughs> he, um, wow, he, you're making this about Jesus now. No, so lots of billboards talking about abortion sends you to hell and, you know, find God and all this other stuff. And and even going to some of the surrounding towns of South Florida, like you go two hours north to smaller cities like Vero Beach, for example, where the population is a couple thousand. You really see the difference in 
culture regionally within the state of Florida. So yeah, I've always known Florida was weird. <laughs> I mean, I mean that that's politics, <laughs> but like you know, just turning on the news and seeing that someone ate someone else's face on the side of the highway, like that's kind of not something that happens anywhere else, right? Oh no, 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 no. Yeah, see, in in Miami, there's this really huge problem with drugs and access to drugs and that guy he just went on a bad trip of bath salts wow. <laughs> and decided that this man's face was the most delicious thing that he could think of eating and he went for it i think i might have brought this guy up before on this show i think like this is my only <laughs> reference point for the whole of florida well this and the golden girls and the golden girls of course <laughs> well uh, so what is it like then growing up as a gay kid in that kind of environment so um sorry that's just a dumb question because like how do you compare it to anything right no 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 no, no. I, I i'm i'm glad you asked that because at least in school, I didn't know of any other homosexuals that were, you know... Frolicking. Either in the closet or that were questioning or anything like that. The only other gay kids that I knew of were the ones that were over-the-top, flamboyant, and that kind of thing. And those were the kids that were made fun of. So any little mannerism that I showed or any little thing like I would bring a pink glitter pen or a blue glitter pen or whatever to school or a Lisa Frank folder that had like a tiger on it I would get made fun of because oh my gosh like you're a faggot you're you're a homo you're a fruit like you're fruity and all this other stuff so growing up in that environment was tough so and so help, help me figure it out so were you one of the yeah. faggy kids or were you like on the periphery of being a faggy kid so i was in the periphery and i was a little okay. faggy yeah. <laughs> wait wait hang on you can't be both Which and i hate using you? the word fag but it's part of me embracing it so oh yeah sorry it's reclaimed here but you, you can't be both so were you the faggy kid or were you on the periphery so in elementary school, I leaned more faggy. Um, then it wasn't until middle school, which is your... Yeah. Um, yeah. Somewhere in the middle, yeah. 12 to yeah. 15 to 14-ish. That's when like a friend of mine pulled me aside and she was like, are you gay or not? And I was like, I don't even know what the fuck gay is. And then she was like, well, because people say that you are because you do this, you do that, you do the third. And then I was like okay, it all makes sense now. Let me stop doing these things and watch my mannerisms and let me hide uh. my love for Britney Spears. Let me stop buying these Lisa Frank things or asking for these kinds of school supplies. Let me change my mannerisms and just my way of living mm -hmm. so that I became less of a target. So that's why, you know, I want to say that I wasn't a faggy kid, like maybe half of my <laughs> upbringing. Um, and then in high school, I fully kind of leaned more towards like the mask kind okay. of thing where I was dressing a certain way and I was carrying myself a certain way. I even had a couple of girlfriends in middle school and in high school just to help me hide, you know, the fact that yeah. I was gay. Yeah. A beard. Yeah, they were my beards, yeah. And and so were you just kind of like oblivious then up until the point where your friend pulled you aside and was like, hey, yo, what's the deal? I was still oblivious because part of me was there's this thing with understanding what being gay is and isn't. You can mm -hmm. be a little flamboyant. It doesn't make you gay. You can be metrosexual. It doesn't make you gay. So I was very flamboyant, but I didn't know what it meant to yeah. be attracted to boys yeah. at the time. So I was just like, oh, I'm gay, but I act like a girl but I'm not really attracted to boys and then it wasn't until like I really started hitting puberty and I was like oh that boy took his shirt off in PE and I kind of liked it and I want to see more of it Ooh, I got a tingly feeling <laughs> yeah I was like oh, what's this tingly feeling why can't I keep him out of my thoughts and then it got to a point where I discovered the world of pornography and How I would always just see like a male and a female I was maybe like 12 I would say and then I noticed I would watch the male and the female having sex, but I was always like, what does the guy look like? I want to see more of the guy. Like, where's his pee-pee? Where's, <laughs> I want to see his junk. I want to see him, like, ejaculate. I want to, like, I'm enjoying this way more than I'm enjoying the female anatomy. And then 
I started Google searching, or I think no, it was like Yahoo image searching. It was before Google was a <laughs> so not thing Jeeves. to use. No, it wasn't Ask Jeeves. <laughs> Jeeves wasn't very uh, helpful. <laughs> no, he never was. Um, then I was like, oh, naked men, shirtless men, and then like that just opened a whole new world for me. And I was like, oh, okay. I okay like so I need to tell you that my parents yes. had hidden underneath their bed a book that was like The Joy of Sex, but it wasn't The Joy of Sex. It was like something along those lines uh-huh. around like, you know, finding your partner and stuff like that. And in it, there were a few illustrations and there were a few photos. And one of the photos was this picture of the whole entire room with this couple in the middle, this this heterosexual couple. And the man was lying down and the woman was on her knees next to him. And you could see like a sliver of his boner in this photo. And... I spent oh. a lot of time looking at that page. <laughs> like this hint of it. And and it's so weird now because like, you know, we've got so much access to porn and everything. That if I saw that photo now, right. I'd just be like, oh. Anyway. Right. I'd be like, all right, are you going to show me the whole thing or not? Yeah. Like, are you going to get double <laughs> penetrated or what? Like, this isn't worth my time. Like, where is this going? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So we are going all over the place and I do want to get back to middle school. But first, I want to just finish this conversation about you looking at Naked Man yeah. on the internet. Uh-huh. Did your parents find out? So interesting enough, my parents didn't find out because I learned how to delete history, delete Ah. cash, and all this other stuff. So I was like, they're never going to find out. So no, they never caught me looking at that stuff. I wanted an embarrassing story. Yeah, no, but this is where we take a twist. (laughs) Of all the porn that I watched, I was very protective of this stuff being found out. You know, when you would type into like the search bar, you would type the letter P and then porn would be the first <laughs> word to pop up in your suggested yeah. searches. No, I made sure that that wasn't a thing. But um, I remember there was this one time, and this is what actually led to me kind of coming out, but also being dragged out of the closet. I didn't really come out. I was kind of found out. And, you know, despite me being safe with my computer and, well, the family computer and closing my web browsers and all that other stuff, I had saved a conversation that I had with my boyfriend at the time where we were arguing, we were fighting about something. And I was kind of like cursing him out and all this other stuff. And for some reason, I decided to save the conversation. Months later, I'm there just revisiting all these old files and whatnot. And then I opened that one and I was reading through it. I was like, wow, this was so stupid. I walked away to the kitchen and then I come back and my mom is seated on the computer reading the conversation. And she started yelling at me saying, what the hell is this? She knew who the conversation was with because their screen name was there. And she was like, what is this? And I was like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. I was not prepared for this right now. So then I had to explain to her, yeah, so-and-so and I were in a relationship, I'm gay, blah, 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 blah. And then that just blew up from there, so... Hang on. Uh I'm struggling with the details a little bit here. So you had an argument with your boyfriend, and then you were like, oh, I'm going to keep this. Yeah, I was like, yeah. (laughs) Because I like to keep receipts. I like to keep receipts. Oh, in case you need to bring it out again later. (laughs) Yes! Like, remember when you called me this? You're a fucker. Mm -hmm. Ah, okay. But so what did she read exactly? Okay, this is where the story gets even messier. So we got into an (laughs) argument because at the time we were kind of like experimenting with bringing someone else into the mix to mess around with. Yeah. How old were you? I was 18. Ah, okay, 18. 17, 18, yeah. I approve, I approve, it's fine. (laughs) So it just so happened that my boyfriend and this third person ended up canoodling behind my back and hooking up behind my back and all this other stuff. So I was cursing my boyfriend out and I was cursing out the other guy for being a homewrecker and all this other stuff. So that's what my mom read, basically. So, so then where did it go from there? Where did it go from there with the threesome, with my mom, with my boyfriend? No, 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 no. No, I don't think it's about those two. I want to know about your mom. My mom, 
she cried a little bit and she was like, I feel like a failure as a parent and all this other stuff. And at this point, I was uh-huh. very sure of my sexuality. I had already been in a relationship with my boyfriend at the time for maybe three and a half years. I had tested out the girlfriend thing. My mom even threw that in my face. She's like, why don't you try dating a girl? And I was like, because I already tried it and I couldn't get into it. That's why. You know, I like men. And then she started playing the whole Bible card. And I was just like, girl, when was the last time you set foot in a church? That wasn't for a wedding or a baptism. Get the fuck out of here. So she backed off. And it wasn't until a couple months later that we revisited the conversation because we were watching the Lady Gaga Monster Ball tour on um, on cable. And there was a moment where two of her backup dancers made out. It was just after they had finished performing Alejandro. And the first words out of her mouth were, that was uncalled for. So then I started crying. And then I told her, I was like, how are you going to sit here in front of your gay son and tell him that a man kissing another man was uncalled for? And then she was like, no, you have to understand this. That We went back and forth. And this was also around the time that um, gay marriage was legalized in the U.S. So we had arguments about gay marriage because she was very against it and whatnot. And then I had to lay out the facts for her. And then she was like, "Okay, fine. Now I get it. And then it wasn't until like maybe weeks after that that she told me she had gotten into an argument with a patient of theirs who was super homophobic. And she put her mommy pants on and she was defending me and she was defending love and gay marriage and all this other stuff. And when she told me that, like, I almost cried because I was like, oh, my God, she finally came around. So that was my coming out journey with with my mom. And um, I love it when your parents are like, oh, I had a conversation with someone where I told them off for the thing that you told me off about last week. <laughs> I love that. And they're like, kind of like waiting I for your that. approval or something. And you're like, great. Um, thank you. Uh well done. Uh, it's really weird that this when this flipping of the relationship that you got. <laughs> um, so I, I want to go back and talk about you as a young effeminate boy who was oblivious yes. to people kind of recognizing the difference in you and making assumptions that you were going to grow up gay. Because I think that kind of happens to a lot of people when everyone around them recognizes that in them before they do. And they're just like, la, 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 not really thinking, you know, sexual thoughts or thinking anything like that. So when your friend said to you like, oh, by the way, you're a bit different to everyone else. Was your response shame? My response was shame. I cried and I was like, all right, let's deepen my voice a bit. All right, let's remove my Britney Spears poster from my clear binder and all of these things. And I was but like, all right. you have just pretended that you were attracted to her? I did, but that didn't help because <laughs> everyone already knew I was a fruit. So <laughs> And everyone knows that Christina is sexier than Britney. Uh, but Britney has this like innocence and this relatability that's just like, who can resist the allure of nah. Miss Spears, you know? No, but Christina has that, like, skanky, down-home girl kind of vibe thing going on. Oh. Which I think is a lot more relatable. Oh, yeah. As an adult, 100%. We Who doesn't love a skank? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, sorry, this isn't what we're here to talk about. So you modified your behavior. Yes. You got rid of Brittany. Yeah. You were in this period where you weren't yet aware of your sexuality, but you were aware that there was this perception of you. Yes. Did that then make it harder for you to recognize your sexuality when you got to the point where you were like, oh, boys? So following that conversation, this was in my first year of middle school, which was sixth grade. I was maybe about 11-ish years, 11, 12-ish years old. That conversation happened then, and that's when, like, the bullying peaked. It was at its absolute worst. That conversation, I think, happened over summer break, maybe, or right before summer break, leading into seventh grade. And seventh grade, I started seventh grade with this girl I had a crush on, oddly enough. Um, And she was a cheerleader. She was in my same grade. Her name was 
I'm not going to say her name, but Aww. she's a doll to well, this day. Let's give her a name. How about yeah, Melody? Her name is Stephanie, and she's she's oh. great. Bless her heart. Hey, Stephanie. <laughs> Plot twist. So remember that. <laughs> it, it gets interesting. Remember that guy that my boyfriend and I were trying to weave into our relationship to have a threesome with? Yeah. So Stephanie also dated him. Ah. <laughs> yeah, this was later in high school. But I digress. Um, <laughs> Stephanie, we were dating for like most of the school year. Then we broke up because I guess she just wasn't that into me. Then she decided she wanted to be with me. And then we got back together for like a month. And I just like did my best to avoid her. I would run away from her. This was before cell phones. This was before texting to see where you were at or anything like that. And you had to make the bus to get home and all this other stuff. So I would make it a point to avoid her because I was like, Oh, God, if I'm with her, I have to hold her hand. Oh, God, she's going to want to make out. And I don't want to make out with her because I don't like her like that anymore. And I'm just not into that and all this other stuff. And there was this pressure of having to deliver as a boyfriend that I just couldn't wrap my head around anymore. I couldn't do it anymore. So So hold on. Uh Like at the beginning of the relationship, were you into it then? Or were you always just like, you want to? So, no, at the beginning, I was into her and I got that tingly feeling of, you know, like, Uh oh, my God, I like this when holding her hand or when feeling the touch of someone else. But then I started realizing that, like, I'm not enjoying this as much, like the thought of making out with her. And it's not because it was her. It was just the idea of kissing a girl just, like, made me squeamish. And. Did you at that point recognize that you felt that way because of your sexuality or was it just more of a, oh, I don't really want to do this? It was a combination of both. Um, It was around this point that I had discovered pornography and gay porn and male to male action. And it was also around this time that like I started seeing boys undress in the locker room and I was like, oh, (laughs) (laughs) hello. (laughs) Did it not just make you like even more aware of how different i i think those kind of situations always just scared me you know what it did and seeing the way that the other kids were treated for being different it scared the living shit Mm. out of me even at home like certain rhetoric towards homosexuals appearing on tv was very derogatory and it was very homophobic so at that moment i knew i was like oh shit like I can't tell anyone about this. I can't let anyone know that I have this secret because I'm going to be treated differently because, you know, everything else that comes along with that. So you were at this point where you were like, yes, I probably am gay, Mm -hmm. but I'm going to keep on this facade. Oh, yeah. 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 I kept on with the facade until high school and ninth grade I was kind of a little nerdy then it wasn't until 10th grade that I in between those two grades that I started coming out to my friends I was like hey by the way I think I'm gay and my friends were all super supportive they're like okay yeah whatever I don't care and then there was this one person within my friend group that I came out to um and then he was like okay I'm cool with it and then months later he came out to me and then he told me he liked me and I was like, oh, this is cool because I kind of like you too. And then we just started messing around from then and we became a thing. And that was my first relationship, which lasted for about six and a half years. What? Yeah. Oh, I'm here for like difficult coming out stories. I don't want any of this like happy, clappy stuff. No, it's not. <laughs> I mean, I in these six years, I experienced heartache. So, <laughs> I we had to keep it don't, hidden. Don't, we, don't, 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 don't worry, you don't have to. Don't have to explain I mean, it to me. In these six years, you know, we hid our relationship um, very well. Our friends didn't know. They just thought that we would hang out together all the time, and that was it. Um, he would sleep over my house and my mom and dad wouldn't bat an eye they just be like okay and then we'd wait till everyone was asleep lock the door and take our clothes off and and so wait hang on how old were you when you started seeing each other um i was 16 wow and you were together until you were like 22 about yeah that's just me doing maths (laughs) (laughs) well great math yeah (laughs) oh thank you thank you (laughs) 
<laughs> Time for an ad break. So in the recent Lost Spaces listener survey, you all told me that you want more opportunities to share your thoughts and to give feedback about some of the themes that come up in the episodes of this show. And I kind of get that Twitter and Instagram aren't always the right places to have these conversations because you can't really go deep, right? You can't really talk in much detail. So fortuitously, fortuitously, how, how do you say that word? Fortunately, I have recently partnered with the new group chat app for queer communities, which is called Spaces. Here is how it works. Users can set up their own space within the app to talk about anything they want. And there are tons of groups in there already from like weightlifting to cake recipes. And I am mildly obsessed with the groups that are sharing pictures of cats and dogs. That's kind of my guilty pleasure at the moment, logging in to scroll through those pictures. Hmm. But we are going off topic. So Here's what I want you to know. I have created my own space within the app called Lost Queer Spaces, where as well as sharing tidbits from every episode, I will also be sharing vintage posters from years gone by, throwback songs, and a whole heap of your, yes, your embarrassing photos from sweaty nights out clubbing. If you want to know more, all you need to do is find Spaces in the App Store, download it, set up your account, and then come join my space. And don't worry if you're on the go at the moment, I will make sure to include more details and a link in the show notes for this episode. Hopefully, I will see you there soon. But for now, let's uh, get back to the chat with Jonathan. That's a really interesting time to be coupled up. It, it is. And for the longest time, thinking back now, God, okay, you're, you're having me unpack all of these memories. I was such a dick to him at the beginning because I was so into it. And then dealing with the internalized homophobia and the gay shame, mm. like I there was a time where I was just like, I don't think we should be doing this. I don't think we should be doing this. This feels wrong. This feels wrong because this, that, and the third, and you start replaying all these scenarios of like what's happened in the past when, you know, you've been bullied and all this other stuff that mm. comes with carrying that gay shame, which is mainly external forces that's making you feel this way. So that started like putting a lot of pressure on me. And it got to a point that I was just telling him like, we can't do this anymore. We can't do this anymore. We can't do this anymore. And, <gasps> and then the next day you'd ring him up and you'd be like, come over and suck my dick. Of course. <laughs> oh, oh, man. One of, one of those people. I was, I was, I was. And funny enough, like shortly after we had started our relationship in 10th grade, there was this girl that I had a crush on in some weird way. I think I was just attracted to her because she was the it girl and she was the life of the party. And I was like, I want to be in her company. Um, I started dating her while also <gasps> dating my boyfriend oh. and he hated her he hated her <laughs> oh, but, I, I mean what a surprise i mean who would have thought i know so are you saying that he had to see you date her at school for like a month <laughs> sorry are you downplaying the fact that you did this to him <laughs> i mean at this point i was having more sexual interactions with this guy than with her like the most i ever did with this girl was made out with her i think it was more like a, oh i want to be friends with her kind of thing and i want to be in her company than anything else okay so were you just like the dick boyfriend and he was the really patient person that put up with all of your crap uh, yeah yeah ah. well, when you put it like that <laughs> <laughs> but was he like what like obviously you can't speak on his behalf but I'm going to ask you anyway. And uh -huh. um, like, was he cool with his sexuality or was he struggling too? Like, did he push you away as well? So, no, he'd never pushed me away. He was a lot cooler with his sexuality than I was. He came out to his cousins and his sisters long before I 
thought it would be a good idea um, to do that. And it was maybe a year after us being together that that's when he was like, oh, hey, by the way, I have a boyfriend. Yeah, I'm gay. And all the people around him, you know, protected his secret. And it was actually him that like he opened the doors for, you know, for me to understand gay culture and for me to kind of understand what being gay was. And I don't think he knew that he was doing that. He's the one who introduced me to like RuPaul's Drag Race. <laughs> is this what being gay is? <laughs> I know what many people, yes. It is. <laughs> yeah, he's the one who introduced me to that. He's actually the first person who I went to a club with. Ooh. Yeah. So, so are you giving us a very neat segue into the reason that we're here today? Actually, yes, I am. <laughs> ah, well, thank you for doing my job for me. Oh, you're so welcome. <laughs> so I wasn't used to a lot of things. And my boyfriend at the time, he l figuratively and literally held my hand through a lot of experience, like with sex, for example, and all this other stuff. But how did he? Like, uh, you were both under it. I don't understand. He, no, he was less shy than I was. So he was the one who, like, would always make the first move. Ah, oh, okay. So he didn't like go away and do training elsewhere and oh no 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 show no. you how to do sex. No, <laughs> <laughs> no. He would be the one to like initiate. He'd be the one to like grab my hand. He'd be the first one to make the move to kiss me. He'd be the one to. He, he was more forward in his approach. Okay. Because okay. I was, I always leaned a little more on the prude side. I wasn't always the first mm. one to make the move. I never was. I am now, but yeah. I wasn't always this, you know... <laughs> this hoe bag. I wasn't always this hoe bag, yeah. Um, but in the beginning, in the early stages of my homosexual career, um, yeah, he walked me through yeah. a lot. And one of those experiences was going out to the club. Um, he took me to my first gay club. He had actually gone to a gay club before I have. Um, but again, it was because he was he was more fearless. And he was just like, fuck it, it's a club, let's go. And he had gone a couple of times and then he was like, oh my gosh, I went to this place, it's so much fun, the music is so good. Then they have these people performing, dressed up as women or drag, and they perform songs that we like, and this, that, and the third. And I was like, uh, okay, I guess I'll go. And at this time, I really wasn't very into like partying or dancing or anything like that. I was such a different person. So, so hang on, mm -hmm. the little yeah. boy that loved Britney Spears yes. wasn't into dancing or music. No. How did that happen? I mean... It's the heterosexual agenda again, isn't there's it? There's that, yeah. I mean, you can ask me what Britney Spears was wearing in all her music videos, and I'd be able to tell her, yeah, she had this little mini skirt, she wore a red latex suit, and she wore this and she wore that. I'd be able to give you the rundown. And I can sing all her songs to you, but... I never danced to them. I never did anything like that um, because it just wasn't the thing to do at this stage in my life prior to that. Okay, okay. okay. We, let's just unpack that statement. Yeah. Wasn't the thing to do, was it not the thing to do because of your shame or yes. like it just wasn't It was you? the thing to not do because of my shame, but... I'm so sorry for throwing you off so many times. But even before that conversation that I had with that girlfriend of mine that asked me if I was gay and told me to shape it up and whatnot, I would listen to Celine Dion and ABBA and Barbara Streisand with my mom all the time. And she's the one who introduced me to a lot of these, what we deem as like gay icons. And mm. when my mom was like, I can't believe that you're gay. But I was like, really, mom? Come on. Like, you, <laughs> you kind of grew You indoctrinated me. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and now we joke about it. And she's like, oh, yeah, I should have known. I should have known. Of course I knew. <laughs> so it got to a point where I just stopped doing these things out in the open because I didn't want to get caught listening to a Britney Spears CD. I didn't want to get caught listening to these artists that people would associate like, oh, you're listening to Britney Spears, you're a fag. You're listening to Christina Aguilera, you're a fag. Oh, you're listening to Backstreet Boys? Um, that's kind of gay too. Do, do you know what's really interesting? Like when I was growing up, oh yeah. God, here we go. When I was growing up. Here we up, go. 
when I was growing up, if you liked an artist and you wanted to like have their music, you had to go into the music shop and you had to pick up the album and then you had to take it to the counter and run the risk of people seeing you buy it and then look the cashier in the eye and be like, yes, I want to purchase this album. Oh, yeah. And now, like, you don't have to do any of that. Like, you can just listen to shit and, like, not have to go through the trauma of being like, oh, I'm buying it for my cousin yeah exactly and i actually went through that when britney spears blackout album came out i think i was in like eighth grade maybe and i went remember going to this store that sold cds and walking up to the register giving it to the cashier and the cashier was this straight dude with like tattoos and he's like who's this for and then i was like my sister and he goes what's your sister's name and i was like he said that to you yeah yeah And I remember, I know, fucking asshole. And I remember at that moment, I was like, oh, my God, I thought I was over this shit. Now I can't even walk into this electronic store to buy the CD without being questioned by the damn cashier. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. So I just want to throw out a little theory here. Yeah. Music stores haven't stopped being in operation because of Spotify and streaming sites and illegal downloading. It's because of assholes (laughs) like this that make people not want to go in there. You know what? You're on to something. <laughs> it's just like, would it, like, why would you have such an attitude? Like, just sell me the fucking CD and then be on your way. I good, know. Sir. Carry on with your track. Anyway, your sorry, miserable... I'm track. No, yes, you're miserable, <laughs> miserable. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so sorry. I have thrown us off track, so let's get it back on. Yes. So Discoteca, this was the place that you went to with your boyfriend. Yes. One of the really interesting things for me is the idea of that the very first time that you ever went to a gay bar is usually accompanied mm-hmm. by this feeling of, oh, I'm going to meet people. I'm going to meet my tribe. I might even meet a boy or I might meet a woman or I might fall in love. And it's really interesting that you were in the midst of this long-term relationship at that time. Mm-hmm. Did you kind of just feel like, well, there's no point because I've got a boyfriend? No. So going into the nightlife scene at such a young age, I had no idea what to expect. I thought it was just going to be a room with loud music and a bunch of lights. Going to a gay club, obviously, you know, it's that plus being surrounded by a bunch of people that you've been conditioned to fear being part of Mm -hmm. or fear being one of them so going into this space i was like oh my gosh i was nervous i was shitting myself i'm not gonna lie i was so nervous because i was like oh my gosh what if i run into someone that recognizes me here what if i run into you know people that knew me or that know me what if i you know feel too uncomfortable what if there were just a thousand Mm -hmm. things running through my mind as to why me going to this club was a bad idea. And I think my boyfriend knew that. Um, and he was just like, don't worry, like, you're going to be fine. Like, nothing is going to happen to you. We're going to be together and we're going with a couple of other friends. And I was like, okay, fine, whatever. So, again, I grew up on the more prudish conservative side where I didn't really dance. Or even at family parties, like, no one danced or anything like that. So, going into an environment where... Everyone is dancing out. It was kind of like, oh, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? And I remember being like Mm. really stiff and they were playing all of my jams that I absolutely loved listening to, whether it was by Britney Spears or Gaga at the time. And I would just see everyone losing their fucking minds because this song was playing or at least the remix of it was playing. And I was like, yeah, this is great. Oh my God, I'm catching a groove. This is awesome. And a huge part of who I am today, I would like to attribute it to those early years of me partying and me realizing that this is okay, this is fine. Like, you know, you shouldn't have to come into a space for you to feel like you can express yourself freely. You should be able to do that every day of your life. And that really helped me change my perception of what being gay was and how important it was for me to 
live out my truth. And it was from that moment that I started doing things like a little more fearlessly. Like my coworkers, I let them know that I was gay. I let them know that I had a boyfriend. I let them know that I would go to places like Discoteca frequently on the weekends. And I started telling them, oh, my God, yeah, let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's all go together. This would be fun. This would be fun. I started making my own gay friends at this time, too, and mingling with them because that was something that I also didn't do. Again, out of fear of getting caught with another man who was also gay and who knows all the complications associated with that. So, uh, yeah. So, like, if someone knew that he was gay, then they saw you with him, then you must be gay because why yeah, else would you be with him? Yeah. Why would you be socializing with someone who. Exactly. Was, yeah. Okay. Well, and, and so this first time then that you went in, you talked uh-huh. about feeling scared, shitting yourself. But were you excited at all? Um, it wasn't until maybe the second or third time that I went that I actually looked forward to going. Ah. This is when I started drinking and getting a little more loose and realizing how good of a time there was to be had in this space. So that's when I was like, oh, yeah, I'm looking forward to this. And we would go, you know, almost every other weekend. Again, I had to hide and lie about where I was going. Because if I told my parents that I was going to a club, they'd be like, what club? And then you know how that goes. Like, you yeah. you know, you, you just lie to your parents about what you're doing. <laughs> Meanwhile, you're passed out in a field. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I want to go back a little bit and talk yeah. about mm-hmm. the relationship that you were in and the fact that this boyfriend introduced you to this world. But... There's also something about, and sorry, this is me making lots and lots of assumptions, so feel free to correct me. No, please go on. Something Mm -hmm. about the fact that when you are in your teens or your early 20s where it's very, uh, like you've grown up in this heteronormative world and you've learned that your partner is almost like your property and that you should be together forever and you should only have eyes for each other and blah, 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 yada, yada. Like, it kind of takes all the fun out of it, going to a club. <laughs> well, like, at least yeah. for me, because part of the fun of going to a club is being able to flirt with people, being able to talk to strangers and being able to kind of throw yourself into all of these dangerous situations. And so th- I guess the question I'm asking is, did you get into trouble? No, I didn't get into trouble. Um my boyfriend at the time was the one who, of course, like he was more forward and he was more mm-hmm. open-minded to certain things. So I was always the well-behaved one. I remember like there were boys that would try to flirt with me or they would grab me or and I wouldn't I wouldn't flirt with anyone. I wouldn't entertain anyone. My boyfriend was the one who I found out he cheated on me a year after the fact. And it was because the guy he cheated on me with was flirting with me. And then he told a friend of ours, like, oh, shit, I hooked up with his boyfriend. And then one thing turned into another, and I was like, oh, hell no. So I called my boyfriend out. I broke up with him. And then he was, like, really sorry about it. We got back together, like, a day later. But then after that, I was like, oh, no, the love is gone. You lied to me. You told me you wanted to marry me and all this shit. We're in, like, year six of our relationship, and you do this shit, or I found out about it, like, you're garbage. And then, um... Just have to say, this is the trauma that I came here for today. (laughs) (laughs) And I felt so betrayed at the moment. I was like, I had never experienced anything like that. And I remember feeling so hurt and betrayed, and then we got back together. We were together for maybe, like, a month. And every time that we would, like be sexual with each other and whatnot i just wasn't feeling it anymore i was like i don't want anything to do with you anymore like you lied to me you betrayed my trust you know you you're unfaithful bye so then we broke up we didn't speak for a while and then we started hooking up again for a while but we didn't get back together jonathan i know i'm a mad (laughs) so the thing i was gonna say to The funny thing about relationships, and again, I'm making a lot of assertions and stuff, but the funny thing about relationships at that age is that if a relationship doesn't work, you think that you are a failure as a result. And it's not just like, oh, well, that didn't work. You put so much of yourself into it being a success and proving to everyone that you are lovable, that you kind of end up in these really toxic 
situations and you stay in those toxic situations because you're so busy trying to prove that you are capable of being in a relationship and then the cycle carries on. Oh yeah, I went through that and I felt horrible because this was maybe the second time that he had pulled this shit on me. The first time was when he started hooking up with the guy who, you know, we wanted to have a threesome with. So that was strike one. And then strike two was me finding out that he like deliberately like cheated on me. And I was like, oh God, like you're garbage. Get the fuck away from me. But funny enough, the way that the world works is that now I'm really good friends with the guy who we wanted to have a threesome with. Like we're best friends. <laughs> oh, shout out yeah. to that guy. So uh-huh. the garbage man, he mm-hmm. broke your heart. That's a bit silly to say. He gave you the runaround. Yes. He was a bit of a dick. But he also introduced you to this whole new world. Oh, yeah. And it's funny because I actually interviewed him for an episode on my podcast. And we just like revisited that time. I just wanted to do like a a contrast of like, who were we then? And who are we now? And how far have we come and whatnot? And we had, you know, a very healthy conversation about who we were then and how far we've come from that moment to now. So, no, it was interesting revisiting this. Because, again, at that moment, like, when you're young, you your definition of love and your definition of intimacy is totally different. And the fact that, like, I had this person, you know, to kind of just, like, hold my hand through my coming out and through all these different stages that I went through from self-acceptance to being around my tribe or mingling with my tribe and going to these gay safe spaces. I'm, I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for that. Um, there are many ways of coming out, I think, and... I'm happy with the way that I did it. And what do you think you would have ended up doing if it hadn't been for him? I don't want to say that I would have gotten a girl pregnant because that's a very false statement. I don't even believe that. That is a scary, scary thought. That's frightening. Oh, God, (laughs) me with children. (laughs) No, I think that I would have eventually come out and it probably would have waited a lot longer to do it to have done it than than what actually happened, than the time it took for it to actually happen, would have been totally different. Mm. So I often talk to people about, well, I mean, I talk to people all the bloody time about their coming out (laughs) journey because that's all they seem to (laughs) bloody do. But I talk to people who, when they know that they're gay and they're not yet ready to come out, they talk about how in their heads they make a deal with themselves. So it's like, as soon as I find a boyfriend, as soon as I find a girlfriend, as soon as I find a partner, then I will feel confident enough to come out. And then I'll like be able to tell people and stuff and be a fully practicing homosexual. Yes. But you kind of had all of that without trying. Yeah. It, it, it's funny the way that things fell into place because that exactly what you said, that was my thought process. I told myself, I was like, all right, the only way I feel that it'll be safe or okay for me to come out is when I have a good job, I'm completely financially independent, and I have a solid foundation where I don't have to rely on my parents. I don't have to worry about them kicking me out. I don't have to worry about them, you know, feeling like I'm going to be a bum because there was this, this somehow people associate being a homosexual with being a failure as a human being, which is totally wrong. But that was the rhetoric that surrounded, you know, being gay. Oh, you're gay. You're going to be depressed and you're going to die of HIV and you're going to, you know, be a bum on the street and you're going to become addicted to drugs and all this other stuff. So like me making that promise myself was my way of kind of like slapping everyone in the face and proving them wrong that this is not the case. This is not my situation. This is not applied to anyone else. And then me going out and interacting with people in the nightlife after my breakup, where I just felt kind of more liberated to to mingle with people that I would bump elbows with or to flirt and whatnot. That's when I started meeting, you know, people that were coming from different backgrounds. And I realized that there are many ways of being gay. It's not about, you know, being all into Britney Spears and RuPaul's Drag Race. No, you can be totally detached from that and still live a healthy, happy, homosexual life. Yeah. That drive 
is so mm-hmm. interesting. Like that, the rationalizing to yourself that like I can be successful despite yeah. being queer, and then I'll show people that it's okay. It's not yeah. just like that it is okay in and of itself it's like it has to come with all of these material external symbols of success oh yeah and and it's interesting because it's this thing that motivates you and drives you and that scene is a good thing but it's also like this really dark horrible terrible no, and it thing. is a really terrible thing because i have so many friends that are in their late 30s that they have the job they're completely financially independent but they still, you know, hold on to this internalized homophobia mm. and this self-loathing where they feel like they still have something to prove to their family members. Yeah, yeah. And it's such a sad thing to see because, you know, they they brush it off, they dismiss it. But every now and then, like if a certain topic like politics arises and things get heated, that's when these people that I know and even with myself, it's something that I don't want to say I deal with it. because I I really don't. I know where I stand and I know who I am and I'm very self-aware and whatnot. But there's a part of us as gay men that we tend to regress or we go back to that dark place in our lives when we didn't feel accepted. And when certain people or when people express certain things or certain microaggressions, it takes us back to that moment of like, Oh God, here we go again. This is reminding me of a time that I wasn't accepted and I'm being oppressed and I'm not being treated fairly. And people live with that and carry that for a very long time. Even, you know, people who had no problem coming out, I see that they've, they deal with that. Um, Cause everyone's journey is different. Yeah. And, and like the messages that we absorb are so much more than just the words that we hear right like there's everything that's going on around us we pick it all up we're always tuned into that no we 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 really are and i'd like to thank the nightlife for (laughs) for bringing me out of my shell and um, bringing us back onto topic thank you jonathan sorry i (laughs) I was planning to get us uh yeah i owe it to the nightlife because from then you know my experiences at this club i was just like Ew, I see the same people coming here. No one's cute. I'm single. It's the same tragic gaze, wearing the same clothes. I'm not meeting anyone new or anyone that I want to interact with or mingle with. So that's when I started exploring other places. And I was like, oh, let's do this. And I was like, okay, yeah, this one's kind of the same vibe, but it's a nicer club. Oh, this one's a different vibe and it's a nicer club. And from that moment, like, I just started, like, my expectations for nightlife the bar i started raising it a lot higher and it got to the point that i was just like oh discoteca do not ever mention that place's name again i never want to go back there because i had shut that part of my life out completely it was so long ago it was like maybe 12 years ago i would no like 10 years ago which isn't even that long but for some reason i i locked it away (laughs) so first of all i just yeah. want to put it out there that there is no shame in being an outfit repeater. There and second not. of all, are you telling me that Discoteca was full-on skanky? Because you didn't mention this Oh before. my god, yeah. Discoteca was... Ugh. It was so... <laughs> buff. Like, looking back at it, like, okay, the music was great. The drag was great. So what's the problem? But what do you expect from an 18 and over club? <laughs> so my usual question here would be... What was your response when you found out that the club closed? And it sounds like you were devastated. Oh, my God. <laughs> I I read the news and I, I threw myself to the floor in the middle of the street just screaming, Why? 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 No, I was... Uh, when I heard it closed down, I was like, Oh, God, finally. <laughs> Aww. Before I stopped going... And when I had broken up with my boyfriend, I would go every now and then just with like random friends and whatnot. And I remember going and not having a good time because of the crowd. It had shifted completely. And you had all of these like really cunty, clicky gays that were running around, pushing people aside and just like demanding attention and feeling like they own the space. And I was just like, this is not why I go out. Like, 
I don't go out to run into rude people or to be skipped in line at the bathroom and for the person who skipped me in line to be rude about it. So I was just like, eh, like I'm, I'm, I'm over this place. That's interesting. Do you think some of that just correlates with you aging out of the scene? <sighs> um, I've had this conversation way too often recently. And I think that I'm very quick to outgrow certain spaces. Um, being from Miami, like I'm used to new places opening up left and right and closing just as quickly as they opened up. So a place opens up, it gets hot, it gets crowded with people, it's the best place to go to. And then the riffraff starts coming in and then you get all the other people who didn't know about it before coming to these places and taking over. And then the place just loses its its zhuzh, its, its yeah. zazz, where you're like, oh my God, pizzazz. I no longer look forward. To, yeah, I, I no longer looked forward to going to that place. And I had also outgrown it. So I was, uh, every so often I'd just be like, all right, this was fun, but I'm ready for the next best thing. I'm ready for the next best thing. And now you can't get me to go into chaotic spaces like that because, I mean, I don't want to say I'm old, but I'm, I'm 31 years old. I've outgrown that shit where I'm getting pushed around by a bunch of like 21, 22 year olds. So I even tell my boyfriend now, I'm like, can we not go to these places anymore? Like, I'd much rather, like, have people come over. I'd much rather go to, like, a lounge or a place that, you know, it's, you know, where there it, there are people you can dance around, but it's not as crowded because I don't go out <laughs> to be miserable or to be pushed around. It's or so to loud wait. in here. Listen, I love the loudness. <laughs> what I will not tolerate is having to wait 15 minutes to order a drink at the bar. Mm, I have a lot of anxiety at the bar. Like, wait, that person came after me. Why are you serving them already? I've really read the... Yeah, it's stressful. Yeah, That's why yeah, I just yeah, let other so. people order for me. What is your, okay, so all of that is to say uh-huh. that you weren't so bothered when the place shut down if that's a fair summation of your view and you've survived somehow you've carried on but if you could jump in a time machine go back in time to that very first night when your ex-boyfriend has just taken you to discoteca Mm -hmm. and you are standing in the queue and you're not sure about what's going on and you're worried about all of these homosexuals around you and I think I've lost the thread of what I'm saying uh, basically, what, if you could go back in time, have a conversation with yourself, what advice would you give young Jonathan? I would tell myself, chill the fuck out. It's just gays. They can't hurt you. <laughs> oh, but they can with their acid wit. Oh, God, they can. They can. But you know what, baby? We're stronger than that. We've been through some tough shit and... You know what? At the end of the day, hurt people hurt people. So if anyone hurts you, (laughs) just know that they're hurting inside themselves and they can't mess with your your shine, baby. You're going to you're going to grow up to be a gorgeous 31 year old. (laughs) (laughs) So he's going to look back at this moment. (laughs) You're going to tell yourself a bunch of empty platitudes. Is that what you're saying? (laughs) (laughs) No, but all jokes aside, I'd just be like, baby, it's not it's not that serious. It's just a room full of people who are just like you. And this is going to be a growing experience for you. It's going to take you to the next level in your life, whether you're fully aware of it or not. And you're going to look back at this and be thankful for it. Do you have any memories of discotheca or clubbing from your own queer scene that you want to share? Well, if you do, I want to hear about it, so why not get in touch? I want to create the biggest online record of people's memories and stories of queer clubbing. Go to lostspacespodcast.com and find this section, Share a Lost Space, and tell me all about what it is you got up to. You can also find me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the handle Lost Spaces Pod. Find out more about Jonathan by visiting his website, yasbro.com, and that's yas with three A's, obviously, or follow him on Instagram, yas.bro. 
If you enjoyed this episode, I would really appreciate if you subscribed, left a review on your podcast platform of choice, or just told someone else who you think might be interested in giving it a little listen to. I am Kay Anderson, and you have been listening to Lost Spaces.